Um, beginning in verse 11, I'm going to read between verse 11 and verse 16, Ephesians 4, 11 and 16. And um, again, let me just mention that uh, you can get the outline of these messages, this teaching this morning. I can text it to you. I can email it to you. Whatever's convenient, you just have to let me know. And uh, it's yours. Um, Sometimes people have a tough time keeping up and taking notes. But I do like note takers. So feel free to take those notes. And, uh, but I can provide you with this. All right, Ephesians 4. Um, in, in anticipation of the beginning of our house gatherings, and as, as Terry said, uh, his is going to be up in Tarpon Springs and down in Mid-County, the Trimbles, Jesse and, and Aubrey Trimbles house, and uh, down in North St. Pete, South County, Chris and Giselle Dunn will be having theirs. We're going to hear from, uh, Chris, is it you next week? No. It's uh, the Trimbles next week, and then following, you'll hear about uh, what they have planned for their house gatherings in the next two weeks. All right. Um, in, in anticipation of that, what I've done is I've decided to do some simple, basic focus teaching on building up the body of Christ. What does it really mean to be a part of the body of Christ, and why are house gatherings essential to the church? Why is it not enough just to simply come and uh, uh, attend a church on a Sunday morning, even if you're just an active part. Why, is that, why does that usually fall short of what it really means, what God really had in mind for us to be part of the body of Christ? So, reading in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, and that we would no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunningness, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the one theme that we're basing these teachings on is that when you join Jesus, you join the body of Christ. And if you're one with Jesus, you're one with the body of Christ. That's a concept that's lost in today's modern concept of church. But it was right there in the, um, in the design and in the intention of the early Christian church. When you're one with Jesus, the Spirit not only baptizes you into Christ, but when you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, the Lord puts you into the body of Christ. And then it's up to you and I to follow through with our activity and our commitment and to function and be a part of the body of Christ. Give an example of that. Paul talked about it in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians when he said, Just as the human body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of that body, though many, are one body, even so is Christ. For 
in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Notice that our baptism is that we are baptized into the body of Christ. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of the one spirit. For in fact, the body is not a single member, but many. So the body of Christ is not in session until you get a collective of people who are committed together in one place, identifying and praying and functioning as the body of Christ. That's the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not me hanging out in my house by myself with my Bible saying, I love Jesus, He loves me, and and I have the Holy Spirit, and, and I know that I'm going to heaven, and I know that I love the Lord. And all those things may be true, but that's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ, the Bible says, is not one member, but the body is many members, just as the human body. If you were to if you were to walk down the sidewalk and see an arm laying in the middle of the sidewalk, it would be to you not just an anomaly, it would be a ghastly sight. Something is desperately wrong. My goodness, a body's missing an arm. And so we've got a lot of parts that are missing from the body of Christ. But when you see that arm attached to a body, you say, aha, there's Billy or there's Susie and there's the body. So God sees and addresses Christians as functioning members of the body of Christ. Think about it with me. The entire New Testament is written to a collective or to a body of people, not to individuals. Is the message of the gospel for individuals? Yes. But the message of the New Testament is written to the collective membership of the body of Christ. Specifically, not just not just mystically combined together through the blood because we have a shared experience, but physically collected in locations. For example, when you read the opening of the epistles of uh, Paul, he writes to the church at Corinth, to the churches of Galatia, to the church at Philippi. When you read that second and third chapter of the book of Revelation, those messages are to the seven churches, the church of Philadelphia, the church of Smyrna, the church of Ephesus. So the entire New Testament is written either to churches or to pastors of churches. The other epistles that are not uh, directly addressed to collective memberships of bodies in a central location are written to the pastors of those churches. So do you get the, the general idea that what we're saying is that all this stuff that we read that speaks to us, God is speaking to us assuming that we have committed and dedicated ourselves to one another as the body of Christ. So when I read the Gospels, when I read the Epistles, when I read the promises of God, I always have in the back of my mind, this works best when I flow in harmony with the body of Christ. This is written to me assuming that I understand that by being a Christian, I have taken on the accountability and the commitment to join and to be a functioning part of the church of Jesus Christ. There isn't a separate message of the Bible for people who want Jesus but don't want to be a part of the body. It doesn't exist. So you just have to kind of keep that in mind. Um, And uh, I'm getting to this morning's uh, particular part. I just want to bring us into that 
place of uh, agreement and, and harmonized in our understanding. So let me summarize by saying it's self-evident when you look at the scripture, self-evident that God is addressing Christians as members of the body of Christ through which he functions in the world. So even though I know that God wants to function through me, I know that he functions through me because I am joined to you and I'm a part with you. And if I break my fellowship with you, if I disassociate from the body of Christ, it's going to change the way God functions through me. And I'll tell you, you can like that or not like it, agree with it or disagree with it, argue with it, but it's like engineering. It just works. It just works like that every time. When people break off, disassociate from the body of Christ, you see the working of God that that God had ordained in that particular part beginning to diminish because God moves in the earth through His body, through the body of Christ. Does He do things through individuals? Yes. But it's because those individuals have received the head and have taken their place in the body. That's why house gatherings are so important because they help your installation and function in the body of Christ and they keep you from just being a churchgoer. It's easy to cruise into a church, hear the message, go, well, I really like that. Well, I agree with that. Well, I'm not so sure. i got to think about that. But, you know, it becomes all about your relationship with the message and how you like the particular service. And you can leave out of there. There's, no, there's not any real function in that kind of relationship that we call churchianity. So keep in mind that Ephesians chapter 4, the text that I opened up, clearly describes the church you as a member of the church, as a body of function, a body of accountability, a body of growth together, synergistically working and building itself up in love. We don't have a picture of individual Christians out by themselves building themselves up while at the same time disassociated from the body. There's no building up going on in the life of one who's cut themselves off from the body of Christ. So what I want to do this morning, I think last week we shared about how important when we gather together, one of the important features of being the body of Christ is the Word, the collective study of God's Word together. This morning, I want to bring up what is arguably the most important, if not one of the most, but the most, uh, let me say that the other way. It is, um, it is one of the most important and arguably perhaps the most important function of the body if it's going to build itself up in love, and that is corporate prayer. Notice I said corporate prayer and not just prayer. Everyone say corporate prayer. Corporate prayer means praying together in the same place. Corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is probably the most important function of the body of Christ if the body is to fulfill what chapter 4 in Ephesians verse 16 said, building itself up in love. Um, and the reason is, is that when the body builds itself up in love, what happens is there are joints that become activated. Now, corporate prayer takes a collection of church members. Picture all of you thrown together in a sack called Faith Christian Church. You could shake the sack up and there it is on a Sunday morning, any given gathering time. There we are. We're just a sack of parts. But what takes that sack of parts 
and transforms it into a rising, mobilized body that reflects the head, Jesus Christ, where Jesus is speaking through, acting through, functioning through that body that is making itself obedient and making itself um, cooperative with the will of the head. Corporate prayer is what wakens the nervous system, brings the parts together, causes them to work together in concert. Without corporate prayer, there's no communion going on back and forth. Everyone's just simply reading the Bible, doing what they think they ought to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is the world's view, and unfortunately a lot of Christians' view of Christianity. But true Christianity is meant to be a body where the head is speaking to and through the body and working together through corporate prayer, building itself up. So the individual parts we call membership, if you will, uh, church attendees, if you will, actually become transformed into joints that supply strength through corporate prayer. I'd like to call it CP joints, uh, corporate prayer joints. Praise God. We have a corporate prayer joint that takes place on Wednesday nights here. And hopefully when we get these three house gatherings together, they will constitute corporate prayer joints. And power will flow through those joints when they pray together. When they come together and pray, the power and anointing and presence of the Holy Spirit will move and the body will build itself up in love. If that doesn't happen, you'll just maybe have a good meeting, maybe not such a good meeting, and uh, have some tea and cake and go home and uh, call it church. But take another look with me at that last verse I read, Ephesians 4.16. The whole body joined and held together by every joint. Everyone say joint. So the body is a collection of parts, and you're a part. You might be an ear, an elbow, a hand, a, a liver. You might be an internal part, a visual, external part. But all those parts are what holds us together into a body is something that's called joints. Now listen, it says the whole body is joined together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, notice each part has to work properly. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that the body builds itself up in love. Now, there's two elements going on here. The individual function of an individual part, the individual health of a part, and the health of a joint that functions. We've got two parts sitting over there. We've got Denise and Amada. Those are two lovely parts. Got a lot of potential in those two parts. Somebody say praise the Lord if you believe that. I believe there's great potential in those two parts. And uh, each individual part is responsible to keep herself in a good, healthy, ready condition. So that's individual prayer. All of us should be having some kind of a prayer life, some fellowship with God. We should have morning devotions with the Lord. We should pray throughout the day, keep ourselves in communion with the Lord. You know what happens to you. If, if, um, if you as a Christian just start to only pray when the emergencies arise, 
That sense of fellowship with God dries up. It drifts away. You, be, you become spiritually brittle. That sense of insecurity grows and mounts up within you. And when a challenge arises that requires somebody to act in faith, you find yourself naturally recoiling and pulling back because you don't feel confident to address that situation. Oh, let somebody else do it. But when you've been in prayer and in fellowship, there's a flow going on. You feel up to date. You feel ready. You live ready. You feel up to date. Why? Because you've been in communion with the Lord. So when a challenge comes up, let me at that devil. See what I'm saying? You know, when something happens, praise God, let's pray. You're the one who's the tip of the spear. You're ready to move out and do something. See, God doesn't invest that in special people who have outgoing personalities. That's the result of a part that maintains some kind of personal prayer, individual prayer. Each part working properly. Notice when each part works properly. Then the next thing happens. When the body is held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that the body then builds itself up in love. Here's the corporate prayer. Amada, who is properly keeping herself before the Lord in prayer, and Denise keeping herself before the Lord in prayer, come together. There's a joint. When they pray together in agreement, they take the time to blend their vision, blend their faith, zero in on what they believe God is saying to pray for. They join together. That forms a joint. Then they experience corporate prayer. They pray together as one. And the Lord said, when you do that, I am in the midst of you. And the body will be energized. Otherwise, you're just a sack of parts. Lovely parts, wonderful potential, but just a bunch of parts. God did not save you to make you one of a collection. You're not, uh, uh, if you were to go to the auto parts store, you got potentially a whole car back there. But you couldn't drag all those parts off the shelf and go anywhere with them. No. What brings it together in a vehicle that the Lord can move through is corporate prayer. Somebody say, praise the Lord, if you're beginning to get this. All right. So, corporate prayer is what enables a collection of people to function as the body of Christ. Now, um, we often read the phrase in the Bible, midst. It's not missed, it's midst, M-I-D-S-T, midst. I am in the midst of you. It's not Jesus in a cl- little foggy cloud. I'm in the midst. No, no, Jesus is in the midst, which means he's in the middle. He's, he's in the middle of us, do you understand? And in Matthew, listen, Matthew 18, 19 and 20, That's not three chapters, that's a chapter and two verses. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20. Jesus said, Again I say to you, if two of you shall agree, everyone say agree. If, If two of you shall agree on earth about anything that they may ask, who are they asking? So what are we talking about? Thank you. Two or more corporate prayer. So the context of this statement is corporate prayer. 
It's not two people coming together, putting together a plan to get something done. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Jesus is talking, says, two or more of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask. It shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered, everyone say gathered. Gathered. Together. Together. In my name, there I am in their midst. The Lord wants to get to the midst. Did you know that? God is a God of the midst. He wants to be in the midst. Not in the mist. A lot of people like Jesus in the mist because they live in the mist. But the Lord wants to be in the midst of us. Do you understand? The word midst refers to two things. One, spiritual unity, and two, physical assembly in the same location, under the same roof. Two things, spiritual unity, physical assembly. And let me back up for a moment before I talk about these two features of the midst. And let me say, when Jesus said, If two of you shall agree on earth about anything they may ask. Let me straighten this out because I know a lot of people have thought, well, you mean I could just anything? Anything? Let me me just having gone in and looked at the context and looked at the Greek language that this was spoken in, let me just sort of elaborate a little bit, help your understanding and restructure that sentence a little bit. Again, this is Jesus talking. I say to you, if two of you agree with heaven while on earth about anything they may ask, two or more agreeing, it's not agreeing on whatever agreement you structure. It's agreeing with heaven. There's a will of God. It's stated in the Bible. We know what the word says. And God isn't saying if two of you will come together and concoct something. It's not agreeing with the earth. Two or more of you come together and agree. We're we're just agreeing. We want so-and-so to win this election. So we're just going to get two or three together. We're going to agree together and it's going to be done. But what about the two and three over there that are agreeing that it's somebody else? Yeah. God's got to let somebody down. And poor God, he's got, who in the world is he going to answer? And so you understand that when the Lord said agree, agree with what? You are agreeing with the will of God in heaven. Where two or more agree with heaven while on the earth. God is looking for people that will come into corporate prayer concerning the will of God as it is expressed in the word, or God is, has led or revealed people, then we pray according to God's revealed will on earth. Then anything you ask, anything that is the will of heaven that you're praying for on earth. So you get that. The Lord said, you tick off those boxes, you meet those standards, I'll be in the midst of that. Do you understand? I will be in the midst of corporate prayer. Many of us want the Lord in the midst of our troubles. 
We got a situation. We want the Lord to show up in the midst of it. But the Lord says, you need to get into corporate prayer. And you need to meet those conditions of agreeing with heaven's will while on the earth. Come together. Why does the Lord make it so hard and say you've got to work with one another in prayer? Because He is a God of the body. He's not a God of the superstar, the individual, the lone ranger. Because God can work through anybody. He can work through individuals. He can work through anybody. The Lord's not interested in in using superstars and celebrities to make him look good. He's interested in showing his love through his redeeming work of grace and showing how that he can bring people together and move through them. Though they are imperfect individually and by themselves, a perfect result takes place when they come together and honor the perfect one, Jesus Christ, in their perfect corporate prayer. Hallelujah. See, it gives glory to the Lord. That's what corporate prayer is about. It's about lifting up the will of God and Jesus being shown rather than every time something great happens, it's because of God's super evangelist stepped from TV into the situation and did this great thing. Now, as I said, the midst has two components, spiritual unity, physical assembly. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost moved... Um, hey, uh, Mark, could you keep those, don't, keep those from opening? Don't open those up. Appreciate that. Um, it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together, everyone say all together, in one place. All together, in one place. And we know what happened. The Holy Spirit fell. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues and then got up and Peter preached. 3,000 got saved and man, the church was off to the races. Praise the Lord. But where did it start? It all started and it continued with this formula too. It didn't just end there. So they were all together. That phrase refers to spiritual unity. The phrase all together literally is the Greek word homos, H-O-M-O-S. And it literally means, it's an adverb, by the way, which means it describes an action. Homos, or all together, is the act of being together. It's not just everyone standing around under the same roof. There's no act involved. How many of you know, you can... um, You can be in a crowded mall, but there's no act of being together going on. It's when we get together and we make the effort to come into harmony and unity. People, that's called prayer. Worship and prayer, that's the blending, setting aside of our own wills and agendas and coming before Him the farther and deeper And the more persistent we are about praying together, the more we are, as the scripture says, all together. So they weren't standing around in the upper room for several days waiting for the Holy Ghost to come, uh, playing and texting one another on their devices, ordering pizzas, and um, just hanging out, waiting. The Bible says they came together. They were using that adverb homos and they were blending in corporate prayer. That was the first condition 
through which the Holy Spirit arrived and God came and and filled them with His power. The second was they were physically assembled together. This is going to this is going to speak to some people because there's a lot of people very mystical minded. They feel like I don't need to be in church. I can be home. I can be one with the Lord. We can agree together. I'll text you. We'll agree together. Well, when that's the only way you can get together, that's fine. I send out. I do a lot of texting. Y'all don't do a lot of responding, but I do do a lot of texting. I just thought I'd take this opportunity to mention that. I do like to hear back. Uh, if I send you a text or an email, I'd like a response. You can just say, you can, don't even start saying anything. If it's too painful, if it's too hard, too difficult for you to say, to acknowledge and say thank you or something, just give a thumbs up or a smiley face. That'll let me know, you know. Because if we met on the street and we walked up to one another and I said, hey, Bob, how are you? And you just went, walked right on by. I think there was, I would think there was something wrong. So just kind of keep that in mind. It's called fellowship and communication. There's some basic rules that go along with it. And whatever you do through your devices is just like what you do when you're face to face. So some good little uh, uh, um, uh, lessons to follow when it comes to etiquette. Welcome to the 21st century, folks. Praise the Lord. Okay, so in one place, the church was designed to be physically in one place. That means we've got to be committed to one another and be together. Um, This is not just some sort of ethereal, um, mystical, abstract unity that we all, uh, you know, uh, share a collective mind, but we don't actually have to present ourselves. That's why on Wednesday night, boom, we're here. We actually are here. I don't send out a little email prayer agenda and then just assume that we're all praying in our homes because guess what? I send out a little email prayer agenda. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going. There's no CP. There's no corporate prayer joint. A joint, you've got to be there to be part of the joint. Got a hip joint, got a hip bone. Stick that bone into the joint, you got a working hip. That hip bone can't say, I see that hip socket over there. And I just want to acknowledge that there's a little something there between us. So I can, there's a, we share a design, compatibility. And we just kind of acknowledge that. Nobody's going to walk. Do you understand what I'm saying? No walking going on there. That's why the body's not going anywhere. Are you listening to me? Get that hip socket, get that hip bone, put them together in the same room. In other words, be there. There's no substitute for being there. This isn't me. This is what the Word says. They were all together in one place. Hallelujah. Do not underestimate the power of being one place. I can't be there, but I'm sending my tithe. Now listen, there are obviously, come on, you know there there are times when we cannot be there. That's, That's a given. But we don't want to operate on the assumption that it's really not necessary for us to physically be together for God to move. God can do everything. You notice how we use that, that, that I don't know what, I, I don't call it theology, I don't know, I think it's foolishness. God can do, because God can do anything you imagine, you just figure that's what He's going to do. Because it ought to be done, He's going to do it. But he has chosen to operate through a certain prescription called the body of Christ with the rules and the orders that he's laid out in his word. If we don't follow those, we can't expect God to do what he can do. Are you listening to me? So, 
all together, spiritual unity, in one assembly, one place. Look at, we used to sing a song out of Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, is mighty. He will save and rejoice over thee. Y'all don't know nothing about that. But Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst is mighty. He will save and rejoice over you. Listen, people. We want the Lord to be mighty. But He wants to be in the midst. Where's the mighty happen? The mighty happens in the midst. Did you get that? Get that, Terry? The mighty happens in... uh, The Lord thy God in the midst of you is mighty. So if there's no midst, if we don't create a midst, but we just say, well, the Lord's mighty. I know the troubles are many. Trials, a lot of shaking going on. The enemy's just roaring like a lion. But it's all right. The Lord is mighty. We need Him to be mighty. We need some of that might right now in this situation. So create a mist. Not some abstract mist. A mist. Come together and pray together. Learn. It takes time to develop. You know, how many of you dance? You all ballroom dancing or whatever. I'm not a dancer. I know nothing about it. But you have to, it takes practice to dance. You just don't run out and and grab a partner in the middle of the floor and expect that what you're going to do is going to look good to anyone or that you're even going to flow together. It takes work. This thing's like a dance. You wouldn't put a bunch of musicians together, even even decent ones, not like like a bunch of uh, Fruit Loops like us, but you get some real ones together. You wouldn't just throw them together. Thank you. Thank you. I was going for that. It's a cheap shot. But hallelujah, it worked. It worked. You get your, get your compliments however you can, folks. We are not ashamed. But you, you wouldn't just throw a bunch of musicians together and expect music to come out. you just get a lot of noise. You have to work at it. So corporate prayer, it takes work. It takes work to learn how to... It's like a traffic jam. When, I, when I'm driving, I don't drive, and I'm riding in Africa. It is frightening. It's frightening because there's absolutely, there are millions of cars, not a single traffic sign, not a single traffic cop, and just a whole bunch of cars that are in a hurry to be wherever they need to go. And they race and fly into intersections, and it's made the best man win. That's why they pray a lot. I just pray I live through this intersection. So the Lord your God in the midst of you. God moves in the midst. He is mighty in the midst. Now, uh, let me close by giving you two examples of corporate prayer, just so that you could sort of think about what we ought to be doing on Wednesday night, Sunday morning. Um, I don't think we really got together and really hit that CP joint this morning. I don't think anybody's going to be offended by me saying that. We just really didn't do it. But God wants us to do it every time we gather together, Wednesday night, and certainly at these Monday night house gatherings. These house gatherings should be a CP joint that creates function and purpose in the body of Christ. It means they're going to have to work at praying together. So here's two examples In Acts chapter 13 and verse 2, the Bible says that Paul and Barnabas and some of the other pastors and prophets and leaders 
in that church at Antioch got together and fasted and prayed and sought the Lord together. So they got together, guess what, in one big tent or one big house or wherever, and they were in one place and started to pray together, developing one accord. The best way I know to be in one accord is everybody put everything down and everyone start worshiping Jesus. That's your starting point. Just start worshiping, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, you're wonderful, you're awesome. Begin to declare the works of God. Begin to worship Him. And people start coming up that hill. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because that's where the blessing is, where people come together acknowledging. They set, Eventually, you put your agenda aside. You come before the Lord. Lord, we praise you tonight. And the Lord brings us into unity. That corporate prayer starts with that focus of unity. So the Bible says that the, the leaders, Paul and Barnabas and the rest of them, were spending some time worshiping. And the Bible says in Acts 13 and 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Ghost said, everyone say said. said. The Holy Ghost said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, if the Holy Ghost said it, he said it through somebody. How did the Holy Ghost said that? The Holy Ghost said that because while they were praying, that word came forth. Someone prophesied it or spoke it out and declared it. And there was a calling that both Barnabas and Paul already knew. God had shown them that they had a calling together. And so they were seeking the Lord and that call was confirmed. The Holy Ghost spoke. As they prayed corporately, God entered their prayer and he spoke two-way communication. See that? All right, that's one example. The other example is earlier on in the book of Acts in chapter 4, verse 31. And the scripture says that, the, that Peter and the apostles had been beaten up a little bit because they were out preaching. They had been warned, don't preach in Jesus' name anymore, but you know those guys. Uh, they weren't having any of it, so they went back out preaching Jesus' name. Sure enough, they scooped them up, beat them up, and threatened them, said, don't you do that anymore. So they immediately left the, the, uh, the place of discipline, and they ran back to the gathering place, got everybody together, one place, got in one accord, and they began to pray. And it says, we, and they prayed, and you can read their prayer. They got into one accord and said, Father, you made heaven and earth. Behold the threatenings of these people and pour out your spirit that through mighty signs and wonders the gospel may be preached and so forth and so on. When they concluded with that brief prayer in harmony and unity, the Bible says, quoting directly, the place, everyone say place, was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Wow. God got excited. The Bible says the place shook. The place ain't going to shake until you all come to the place. And then come in one accord in the place. God wants to shake the place. You want some shaking going on. You want some earth-shaking move of God. But where are the people coming together to create a place where that shaking can be poured out? See, God's not going to put the shaking out there where you want to see things shaken up. He put the shaking on the people who sought Him for those things. That's where the power showed up from heaven. Glory to God. So let me share with you just a couple of thoughts from these two examples. Uh, the first thought 
is that true, proper corporate prayer opens two-way communication between the body and the head. Notice that uh, when they prayed together, the Holy Spirit said. Now, in some churches, they don't believe in two-way communication. I'm sorry, but it's true. Some churches believe in one-way communication. We just come together, the priest leads us in prayer, the pastor or somebody, somebody represents us. We pray and we just send petitions up. It's kind of like putting a dollar bill at Kmart or, or Walmart. You know, you got some groceries and it says it wants the money. It's like putting a card in and never getting it back. It's like putting in that $20, it just eats it. It doesn't come back. You just send petitions up, there's no two-way communication. You just hope God got it. I, I sure hope God took my card. Are you listening to me? So, um, but the idea here is that the Holy Ghost spoke. They started speaking to God. God spoke to them. They spoke to God. God spoke to them. They spoke to God. God spoke to them. When you get together in corporate prayer, do you expect God to speak back? Well, let me ask you this. Do you expect Him to speak back through you? You see, the problem with... uh, Corporate prayer, if there is a problem with corporate prayer, is oftentimes we don't press into the goal. The goal should be not just that I am here with everyone else and we're going to send up this agenda. The goal should be I ought to be lifting up that agenda and then opening myself for God to speak back to and through me. What is the Lord saying? Lord, I'm open. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, ye may all prophesy. He said, I pray that you would all pray in tongues and that you may all prophesy. God wants to speak back through the body. It's a two-way street. And so corporate prayer is the opening for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It really is silly to appoint a pastor and say, now, pastor, we want you to go lay between the porch and the altar. We want you to pray for the church and pray that God will move in the gifts. It ain't never going to happen. It's never going to happen. God says, where's the body? Well, Lord, I... I'm their representative. God said, I quit doing that with Moses. And even Moses said, one greater than Moses is here. And when he came, when Jesus came, he said, I call you all brothers. That's the body. So God said, where's my body? Well, Lord, I'm paid. The Lord said, it's not what they pay you. It's what I paid for you. And I paid for a body. I want to see a body. Hello, I paid for a body. I want to see a body. I don't want to see a professional clergy. I don't want to see someone who's being paid in dollars. I want to see a body bought with the blood. Are you listening? I want to see a body bought with the blood. So we are individual parts of a body purchased with the blood of Jesus. And he wants to see a blood-bought body praying together. And he said, when that blood-bought body comes together and prays, I'll talk. I will speak. I'll reveal myself. I will move. If that's, and you're thinking to yourself, it's that easy? Try it. Monday night, February the 8th. That's a couple of other opportunities. Wednesday night right here. That's an opportunity. Next time we gather on Sunday morning, whatever the opportunity is, press in and grab it. Let's pray together. Let's worship together. That's where the blessing has been commanded. How good and pleasant it is. When the body dwells together in unity. For there the Lord has commanded 
The blessing. You don't even have to talk God into the blessing. He's already commanded the blessing. He's got his foot on the honey bucket. Corporate prayer starts happening. Boom, a honey bucket goes over. Here it comes. Somebody say amen. And the other places, when they prayed, the house was shaken. The house was shaking. We want to see God shake our community, shake our neighborhoods, shake our city. And the Lord wants to shake. But where did that shaking come? It says the house where they prayed was shaken. That shaking reverberated out from there. And the Bible says mighty signs and wonders were done by the hands of the believers, by the apostles. Many were being saved daily, added to the church such as should be saved. That's where the action came. The shaking came because they got together, hello, and they prayed. And the power of God shook that house. Faith Christian Church, we get together and pray. Seek the Lord. And when you become part of corporate prayer, don't come and just sit in silence like a bump on a log. Now, you know why you do that. You think, well, I don't sound real fancy. I'm not very articulate. And, you know, can you say, thank you, Jesus? Lord, save somebody. You, you b- believe me. You've got a voice. You've got a heart. When we gather together, when it's time to praise and worship the Lord, you know what? If you would begin to open your mouth, the Bible says open wide your mouth and I'll fill it. If you would open your mouth and praise Him, be, and you say, I feel foolish. See, that's exactly what God's looking for. Get that foolishness out there because that's what's keeping you from stepping out in faith. That's what's keeping God from being able to use you is you've got yourself held back in your fear of foolishness. I don't want to look foolish. I don't want to look silly. Let me help you. You already are silly. You already, you look, it's over with. The word is out. We know you. We know you're silly. We know you're goofy. So forget about it. You know, just become, become a hero of faith and step out and praise Him and worship Him. Say, what if I make a mistake? Goody! The Lord specializes in mistakes. He specializes. What if I don't say it just right? Great! Because God doesn't answer prayers because they're said right. It's just because people prayed in one accord, hallelujah, according to the will of God. God knows what you're trying to say. He's not sitting there saying, back up, can you say that a little differently? I'm not really sure I like the way that was put together. If that's the way it was, the thief on the cross would have never been with Jesus that day in paradise. Because he didn't pray any sinner's prayer, yet Jesus got exactly what he was saying. said, don't worry, buddy, you'll be with me today in paradise. That's Jesus, man. Hallelujah. You know, that, that's how the Lord is. That's how he operates. So people, corporate prayer takes individual members that are collected together and lifts us to a whole new level where God moves synergistically and transforms us. Every joint supplies power and we build ourselves up becoming the body of Christ. Amen? Stand with me this morning. I am, with these messages, I'm casting a vision out. Chris, Jesse, Terry, your assistants, the the, the Wilkes, the DeArmas, the Humschilds, 
I, listen, I am casting a vision. Everyone else, I want you to hear this. I am casting a vision. This is what needs to happen. This is what I expect to happen. This is what God expects to happen. This is what these house gatherings are all about. You do this and invite unsafe people into those homes and the Holy Ghost will be there to touch hearts, to bring people in. They, they'll come in. You say, oh, but what if they feel nervous? Goody! Nobody gets saved till they feel nervous. It's, all, it's almost like an unwritten law. You can't get saved without feeling nervous. You've got to feel a little bit nervous. You're going from the earthly to the heaven. That's a big step. <laughs> so, I'm casting the vision. The word we talked about last week. Prayer we talked about this week. These are the things. Capture this vision. Work on it. Cut all the fat out. Get down to the nitty gritty. And God will bless this thing. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord. It's time to receive His blessing. And I want you to do this with me. Before I speak over you, could we speak together in one heart, one accord to the Lord? Let's lift up our voice in one accord. And let's say before the, before the Lord, Heavenly Father, my heart says thank you for loving me, loving me enough to leave eternity and to come into this world. You condescended, you stepped down from glory into this troubled conflict. But there, under the pressure of humanity, you walked perfectly, loved perfectly, and then poured your life out for my sins. You rose from the dead and you took me with you. I believe in you, my Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for opening my mind. Thank you for being the light that gives me an understanding. As I look out upon the universe, <coughs> many wonders overwhelm me. But this I know, He that made heaven and earth upholds all things with the word of His power. I was designed for and by the love of God. And Lord, thank You for loving me. In Jesus' name. Now may the Father cause His countenance to shine upon you. May He so fill you that your steps are lightened. May the burdens of life be lighted from your shoulders as you lean upon Jesus. Going out into this new week, go forth in the grace and in the power of the Lord Jesus. The valleys shall fill the mountain shall come down. The path of the Lord shall arise before you. Put your feet upon that path. Walk in the will of God and be blessed. See what the Lord will do. Be willing to shine and let love speak through you to those that you are around. And the Lord will be glorified through your life. Thank you, Father. Keep us from conflict. 
Lead us in the path of righteousness. Let peace prevail in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Great is the Lord and greatly.